When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know the number one obstacle to financial success? Time or lack of it. Without enough time, you can't learn efficiently, plan effectively, or focus on the right strategies. That's why Real Vision offers you a simple and efficient way to gain expert knowledge, use time-saving market tools, and leverage the brain power of our community to help you succeed faster. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free. Is big tech about to make another big run? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter and now a member of the RV Marketplace. So if you'd like to subscribe to Tony's newsletter and get more of his research, who would not? All you need to do is head over to the Marketplace tab, which is right at the top on the RV homepage. And you just scroll down and look for Tony's smiling face. So we're super excited about that. Hey there, Tony. Welcome. What's up, Maggie? How are you doing today? Thanks for the intro and uh, for announcing the um, my presence on the Marketplace. I think that's going to be cool. I'm already getting some feedback for it. So it's fun, uh, fun project to work on. Yeah, awesome stuff. And like, listen, you, you're so helpful in um, in terms of helping frame how you approach this with some discipline as a trader. We talked about that all through out, especially the the last half of the year um, when you really nailed it um, on the rally. And we've seen that, right? Like this is still the, the thing we're talking about. If you were lucky enough to catch it and you wrote it up, how do you get out? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your profits? And then here we are at a new year. You know, how do you sort of position for what's coming? Because all of that uncertainty, all of the things that everyone was so divided about, last year still seem like they're in play, right? So let's kind of walk through a little bit of, of what at least happened today. And it feels like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. We had uh, stocks lower across the board. The NASDAQ up for most of the day, it faded into the close, hung on in positive territory, but only just. Bond yields have been in a holding pattern, seems like pinned around that 4% on the 10-year ahead of the inflation data that's coming on Thursday. We had oil up, crypto down, big news on those fronts as well. So, you know, what's top of mind for you this week? Oh boy, Maggie, there's so much on my mind. It's the beginning of a new year, you know, and like for me, dry powder is king until I kind of get a uh, an angle on what the flavor of the year is going to be and and how the Horse race is going to end up, you know, to to get some vision on that. Right now, I have no vision whatsoever. You know, I'm fair, I come into the year fairly positive stocks with the idea that we're going to be lowering rates. We just went through a significant, you know, rate hiking period where the S&P got batted around quite a bit. And I think that we're going to come out of it sort of unscathed you know, into a reasonably strong economy, into a strong market. So I'm kind of looking for things like that to happen. 
I am not going to say that I've got evidence that they are going to happen yet. You know, we got a little bit lucky with NVIDIA, right? The number one chip maker, AI chip maker coming out with a new um, <clears throat> graphic chips for AI personal computers, stocks up 10% in a couple of sessions, you know, kind of setting the tone again, potentially mm. for big tech to perform. You know, I mean, and it's not even out of the gate with any gains yet. You know, we saw what was interesting this year was that there was so much positive sentiment going into the end of the year that it squashed the Santa rally. Yeah. Right. So the, those days right around Christmas into New Year's that are usually kind of light volume float away days for the S&P um, that didn't transpire. We had a couple of negative days in a row, which made total sense with how positive and uh, sentiment we were and how bullish we were heading into the end of the year. You know, those that. I don't know if it's the tail end of the move or so far the tail end of the move that we caught, you know, from um, from buying the dip around 4,600, et cetera. So I'm looking to see what way the traffic is going to start flowing, Maggie, right? It, it, it hasn't really started yet. There's only a couple of sectors in positive territory this year. That's cannabis, healthcare. Uranium is a really interesting story for the year. Utilities are up on the year so far. There's really nothing going on. And on the negative side, we've got a lot of um, we've got solar stocks and a lot of basic materials, right? The commodity sector has gotten off to a rough start of the year. We already saw um, Saudis cut prices to their local Asian clients that said oil back pretty good to the bottom of the you know 70, 75 range. So there's some cross currents going on. There's some adjusting going into the beginning of the year. We've got CPI coming out at the end of this week. And you know, if if the past is any indication of what we could be in for, which sometimes is the case in markets. You know, it feels like the markets decided last November that inflation data was not going to be an issue going forward. And the last two data points we've got on inflation confirmed that, and the markets seem to like it, right? There, the inflation data comes out, bonds look over, and since there's going to be no more dislocation, bonds are looking to rally, right? They're kind of looking to resume that trend that we saw at the end of last year. So with that in mind, I'm really, I've got my eyes wide open, Maggie, and I'm looking to see where we're going to make some money this year because I haven't figured that out just yet nine days into the year. Yeah, well, you know, you, which is a good point in and of itself, right? I like, I like your statement, you got to keep your powder dry because, you know, there is, we've talked about this with Denise Schull before, there is an instinct to do something, like we have to do something. And sometimes uh, just sort of waiting and waiting until your things fit into your framework is the right thing to do. You know, you don't always have to be in action. So let, let's let's sort of dig into a couple of these things and talk a little bit about like what you would want to see. So the technology thing is super interesting because I, I especially, you know, like you said, we have seen NVIDIA moving up. Um, and that is the stock that is like the poster child for the overvalued mag seven, you know, we it, it, it can't see how there's, why would you buy that when there's so many stocks that are cheap? And every time I hear that, though, we, we sort of see that leadership. We are going into earnings period. We have a little bit of relief on the interest rate front. How are you approaching? How are you thinking about technology? What would you need to see to say, I'm going to put some money to work in technology? Or it, or, or is that just an area that you think because of valuations, it's, it's something you'd stay away from? How, how do you think about valuations versus momentum? Yeah, Maggie, great question. You know, I'm into performance, right? That That's what I'm trying to do for my clients is line them up in the sectors that are going to perform the best during the course of the year. So um, I've got technology. I've actually got semiconductors on the bullish side of my radar screen going into the year with the idea that, you know, this could be 
not as difficult as it sounds where Nvidia, you know, what happened this year so far, like, let's be make believe I'm eight years old and we're explaining it, you know, to our eight year old or to our dog or something like that. What's gone on so far, the leading name in AI has come out with some new technology and the stock took off like a bat out of hell. Okay. So now if we're going into a year where rates are going to go lower, right, let's start off with that attitude or that idea. If you're not, if you're, if you're bullish technology and you're not in semiconductors or NVIDIA now that they've got good news on the tape and that we're staring down the barrel of rate cuts as far as the market is concerned, you're, you have got no excuse to miss this trade. None whatsoever, right? So that's just something to think about to get started. Um, I like it because it fits with my 1994-95 analog that I feel like a little bit like the market resembles, right? Doesn't exactly... Um, repeat itself in markets history, right? But it rhymes. So if we go back to 94, 95, 94, um, we were adjusting interest rates to a hot economy, a little bit of inflation, higher interest rates. Um, 95, the market was flat on that year. Or excuse me, the market was, uh, which was a flat year, down a percent or something like that. And then the next year, as we adjusted to higher interest rates, which actually wound up flattening out to lower, mm -hmm. the stock market took off and it had the tailwind of the technology craze the dot-com bubble was being birthed right into the mid to late 90s so this analog is kind of cool for me to see that nvidia is taking the lead now i like the idea that we've got both an ai and cryptocurrency rebirth as the yeah. sort of technology tailwinds to a potential tech leadership rally right we could see that in 2024 why not so you know that's how i'm looking at that matt yeah i don't want to be yeah. a dead horse but Let's not make it more complicated than it sounds, right? If we move a little bit of money towards this at the beginning of the year to see how we're doing, that seems like the smart thing to do. Yeah, you're right? you're, you're you're sort of you know uh, stepping into it, right? You're not sort of diving in. And I think this is something that became very clear at the end of the year about getting married to a narrative. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you think you know you worry about or you missed Nvidia. Um, there are long, there are people who are going to have a longer term view that we're going to talk about the fundamentals of this. And absolutely, um, that's why we have them on and you need to cover that and pay attention to that. I know you do that all the time. Some of them are your colleagues that you talk to. They're going to be people who are knee deep in those earnings reports, you know, unearthing some really important things. But in the meantime, there's also, you know, you can't be anti things. You need to pay attention to what the price action is telling you is the message that you always deliver to us. Um, and I think that that, you know, proved really powerful at the end of last year. So it's interesting. And I point this out because, you you know, we have camps that hate the technology story. They hate the crypto story. We know because, you know, Rao likes them and he gets a lot of pushback for, for that. Um, and, but he'll also say as a very long view. So very interesting how you're going to have to navigate this. Um, but I like you laying out the things that you're looking for in order to 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 fall into line, in order to get behind that. So. It sounds like you're not too worried about the inflation number coming out later this week. I'm not, Maggie. I feel like, you know, we, we've seen a couple of things happen. First, we've seen the market back on November 14th of last year when October CPI came out. That was literally, I mean, we saw the tire marks all over the tape. That was the one print that the whole market was keying on saying, this should be the coast is clear print for inflation, as in we're about to throw this threat out the window. That's what we got, right? That was the day that markets exploded. The dollar imploded. Treasuries took off like a bat out of hell. Rates are getting crushed, right? The market loved that. 17 sectors of the S&P took off in two sigma breakout status, right? 
that's the breakout that we followed through for the rest of the year. For the next six weeks of the year, it was follow through from that day. So we got another CPI number since then. Same result. The market is like coast is clear, right? There's no inflation coming at us. Coast is clear. Market goes up. I feel like that's kind of what we got the beginning of yesterday. Obviously, the NVIDIA headline held cheaper oil is now a good thing for markets as a cheaper input price. But it could be the way that we're getting started again. So that's the only thing on my mind, you know, that 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 could be the way that this pans out at the very beginning of the year anyway. Yeah. So the, uh, the on, on that cheaper oil, we're getting a lot of questions in on oil. Uh, the macro butler asking, what do you make of the chart of WTI struggling to hold above 70? Chart looks like crap. Absolute crap. Frank Capillary has got a great chart out where he highlighted a huge head and shoulders pattern in crude oil that I kind of had to cover one eye and look a little cross-eyed to see. But it's there, and the sort of neckline is right around $68, $70, right? I'm not going to pick the exact number, but you can make a case that below there, the crude oil chart is a crash pattern. Right. And now I'm sitting up in my chair because there's really not that many people around that think crude oil is going to crash. And it may not, but that's sometimes when the trade is really ripe to happen. So, you know, that's something that I'm going to be on my toes and watching very carefully. I don't think that we're set up for that situation, but it wouldn't shock me to catch the market off guard like that, especially right at the beginning of a year. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, Raul and Julian got together for their first macro insider discussion of the year, and they discussed the outlook for oil. Let's have a listen to that, and we'll talk on the other side. Be up in relatively negative oil for a while. It wouldn't. It's two scenarios. One is it actually could break down even lower, and there is a you know there's a probability that it actually gets down to forty bucks if that's a kind of big head and shoulders top that's forming. If not, I kind of err towards what Julian's saying is. It probably is not as bullish as people expect. I mean, don't forget, we got such a big loss of demand from China. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard that's, to a, that's the swing factor in oil is Chinese demand's just not there and European demand's not strong. So, I mean, the US can't be and the, the US only leg to drive. pumping people. like crazy, right? So right. there's so, just no, there doesn't seem to be any shortages or anything that would give you reason to think that it really explodes. Unless you get dollar weakness, right? Whenever Raul and Julian even appear to be agreeing on something, it's worth paying attention because as our regular viewers know, they don't often, but looking for those points of agreement and then the points of real disagreement are always what make the conversation so valuable. They do them every month. You can see the full interview. Um, they do an accounting of what they learned and got wrong in 23, which is super interesting, as well as their 24 outlook, as much as any of us can have one in this very difficult environment that's sort of full of fog and uncertainty. Um, it's available on our website. If you are not a member, go to realvision.com to sign up. Um, so Tony, we have a question. We got a lot of questions, as I mentioned, on oil, but I like this one from Boris. Let me read this. Um, let me scroll down and find it. Uh, we've seen a strong US economy, a war in Europe and the Middle East, but the oil price does not react to the upside significantly. Is there any scenario that a significantly rising oil price would become real or is rising oil a narrative from the past? That's a great question. And I think that as much as we hate to accept it, um, put it this way, that last oil rally 
to 95, sort of preceding the Hamas attacks when it felt like the Middle East was really going to be a heating up, you know, heating up geopolitical cauldron type of thing. I mean, I know I thought that and I'm not a political analyst or a biologist. I don't know anything. Right. I could follow markets. So it was really interesting to see that rally get snuffed out while we had pretty low inventories. Um, you know, the spreads were backwardated. You know, the market was kind of set up for success there. And just as Boris pointed out, the market is pricing World War Three risk at zero, right? It's pricing Middle Eastern conflict at mm -hmm. uh, a football game, right? Like no rougher than a football game. And so if you look at that, that's what the treasury market is pricing. That's what the oil market is pricing. So who the hell am I to say, well, you got to be careful of $95 oil again. I don't think that we have to be careful about that at all anymore, right? I mean, the Saudi Arabia just lowered prices for, to do their Asian clients a favor, right? I don't think they could have hung on anymore, charging them the premiums that they were charging. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, then they're and they're adjusting. You know, it seems like there's plenty of oil around to sort of at least keep the market um, supplied at, at, at last sale prices for sure. You know, and yeah. like I don't really get bearish down here at the bottom of the range, but. I don't really have an opinion that it can rally from here either. So I'm spectating with no money at risk in the energy department right now. Yeah, super, super interesting. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people scratching their head because you would think this would be right. But, you know, as you say, you got to follow that price action. A lot of people focused on, I think, Raul and Julian uh, mentioned it as well, you know, China's economy. If they're not in and participating and you don't get demand coming from there, um, you know, it's kind of hard for a lot of people to see that the um, the upside. But we always revisit this because as we know, especially when it comes to geopolitics, things change in a minute. So we've always got to keep it on our radar. Um, got a question about gold. Doesn't look good yet. Do you think we could see a retest of uh, 1970 or even lower, 1,970? You know, there's another commodity that's testing the bull's metal right here. You know, like gold is one of those things that you're like, uh, oh, great, we're at all-time high prices. This is spectacular. And that was a flash in the pan, and that was over really quick. And then we recovered and made another push toward that high and failed at a lower price, right? And now we're right back into prices that the market is used to. But the market's definitely probably excited that we made that new high, probably complacent, probably still long. And to me, gold looks a little bit vulnerable. And I, I can't really get there because, I, you know, I, I, I would need the dollar to sort of rally kind of sharply for, for gold to break down in my head. So and I don't see that happening right now. So I have got that conflicting conversation in my head. But gold certainly does feel like a commodity that's like, Oh, okay, we pulled back below 2K and that's fine. And then all of a sudden, well, we broke 1950, the moving averages, and now there's a $150 sell-off. Okay, now we're $1,800 gold, and I think that's fine. And there's no bid for it there either. And, you know, it just mm -hmm. feels like that scenario is totally possible after trading an all-time high and the market said no follow-through whatsoever, none. Yeah. Right? So you, you have to think that now a downside episode is at least in the cards. It's 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 been so frustrating to to people who have been watching that gold chart and really uh, looking Good for a breakout. We get questions all the time on it. Uh, Doug asking, any idea what caused the huge jump in uranium stocks today? You mentioned they were ripping as we came as we came on. Um, put it this way, it's really hard to get, um, you know, to to get real time color news and find your liquidity in the uranium market. It is not crude oil, as you can tell, right? It's like trading this invisible commodity that 
people don't even know what drives it other than right now we know that we've got a massive inventory deficit and we've got utilities that are inherently short uranium and if they want to keep the lights on at their base load power generator run by nuclear they have to pay the next offer in uranium and so while there really isn't much inventory lying around there are fewer and farther between offers in uranium. And we just saw today, you know, Spot Sprott Physical Trust, which is still trying to take uranium off the markets, just trades to an all-time high. Yeah. So we've got hey, Tony, you know, I just wanna I just wanna jump in. Um, it looks like the SEC grants approval for Bitcoin ETF listing on all registered national security exchanges. Uh, the SEC tweeting this out. We're just confirming it. Our folks think this is the news that we were waiting for. Um, but that is a big deal if that's the case. Um, so just wanted to just wanted to put a pin on that. We're gonna we're gonna make sure um, that that is absolutely and follow it. And you know we've got a lot of stuff coming on that. Um, so sorry, I was like half I, I half paying attention to the end of what you said about uranium, but. Um, but I, I just want to circle back on that point that uranium is extremely opaque. We've done a lot on this. We have some people who really follow this very closely. I, I think it's a great time to have them back on. But it, it, you, you do have to be careful because you can't track it in the same way. Um, does that that does that introduce a lot of risk in it to you, or or, or do you once again follow that price action in the same way? Well, yeah, sure. It does introduce some risk because anytime I walk onto a trading floor and I don't know what price the commodity is that I'm trading is trading at, you know, I get a little bit worried, right? On Bloomberg, there's a weekly print that goes up in U308, which is the actual physical price that trades um, for the real uranium, right? So that's somewhat comforting. At the same time, you know, we're in this sort of parabolic part of the move where you can have confidence that the price isn't going to implode unless you hear that a whole bunch of utilities decided to shut their nuclear reactors down and say, you know what, we're going to take a pass on this baseload power altogether. There's almost a 0% chance of seeing that, right? So the market is in that scenario where you're like, oh yeah, there are just buyers and there's not a lot of inventory around. At the same time, that goes from something that fixes itself very, very quickly in commodity markets, right? There's no cure for high prices like higher prices. And all of a sudden you find some supply and then there's a reversal. And I just, I always have to be careful, Maggie, because you and I don't know a damn thing about uranium. We barely know where to find the price. And we're talking about it on a financial, you know, news network. So, you know, we barely have an idea of what's going on, but we're talking about it in a very bullish case. To yeah. me, there's the risk right there, right? There's going right. to be positioning risk alongside this trade. Right. Once everybody gets in, as we always say, Jared Dillian always says, once all the assholes are in, then we've got something to worry about. So that yeah. said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm on my toes. Right. Public, it's, when there's not public disclosure mm -hmm. and free floating prices on exchanges, you got to proceed with a little bit of caution. You know, but but if you if you have the risk appetite and it's money that you can afford to lose and you're just going for the momentum play, certainly. But like for everyone else is looking at this as part of their commodity basket, just be careful. So here's, here's a good scenario to, to go over what just happened in uranium. You know, into the end of the year, while the Santa rally was fading, it was actually selling off during those several days, there was a bit of a sell-off in uranium, right? URA, the um, ETF, like, had been trading up to a new high, and then it backed off into moving averages. And one day, I got all these alerts, and everybody was like, what's going on? What happened in uranium? And I looked around. I didn't see anything. And I was like, uh, what happened? Somebody made a sale, right? Yeah, There's nothing exactly. going on. Somebody sold some. And now it backed off into support. So if what you want to see, though, from there 
is you're keeping an eye on price action saying, I don't want to see this thing collapse now because then I got a problem. Then I know that there's something wrong. So what happened immediately in the wake of that? A new high in spot uranium prices, a reversal in uranium miners, and they're back on the run on the upside again. I'm just saying as a bull, that's yeah. what you needed to see just there and you got it. So that was yeah. a good development. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah, that's great. Um, Christopher's pointing out that Cuppy is is big in uranium, uh, Harris Coverman, and and he is. It might be it might be time to have him on again. And if you want a primer on how this works, like why the market's so opaque that Tony's talking about, and how it works, and why it's hard to, uh, I did an interview with Nick Lawson. It's on our platform. Go go watch that again. It's kind of an evergreen. Don't listen to the sort of near term price stuff you talked about, but it's kind of an evergreen on how that market works and why you need to understand some dynamics that make it different from everything else. Listen, we mentioned that we thought the Bitcoin, I'm so skeptical because there's so much AI deep fake bullshit on the, uh, around in the universe that even when we think the SEC is tweeting, I, I just want to say we think that it was approved, but I'm being really cautious about that because I literally don't believe anything anymore um, unless Gary Gensler tells me himself. So, um, but we know that the deadline's coming. So it's going to be soon. And when it does come, we will be all over it. Raul's going to do uh, some conversations. Raul's doing an AMA on Friday as well, a drinks AMA by himself. Look out. Um, so put that on your calendar. Tony, how are you thinking about Bitcoin and crypto, though, given that there's this event coming? Um, since you do kind of always look at sort of, you know, the price action, and are you, Thinking about doing anything ahead of that? Are you wanting to wait and see how that all develops and plays out? How do you approach something like that? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I'm very much a periphery player in that space. Um, I do like following it because it's a necessary story to follow, you know, to be taken seriously in, in financial markets because it's a it's a startling frontier development. And what's wild about it is that it was left for dead not too long ago on that pullback from 70K to 17K or 14K, whatever the low was. Um, and it was kind of left for dead by everybody like, well, that was that, right? And it came back roaring. And my the only point that I've latched onto really strongly, which is something that I've felt the vibe of in markets over the years is that when we relieved that market of the Sam Bankman-Fried albatross that was mm. hanging around its neck, right? That that vulgar, filthy story about washing DNC funds through Ukraine, like the whole thing was completely insane. And, you know, obviously we got the, you know, we got the insane story that the Department of Justice is dropping the campaign finance charges. But the reality of it is when that story, when he got put away or sort of on the criminal charges found guilty, Bitcoin broke free price-wise, price action-wise. And it's definitely leading into this ETF episode where you would expect there to be a climactic sell-the-fact event. And the price rally into the ETF has been way more orderly than you would want to see if you think that there is going to be a sell-the-fact event on that headline, right? Because now the chart doesn't look like something that you want to short even going into the ETF creation, it looks like something that you want to buy the dip of. It doesn't look like a, a commodity that got way over its skis and ahead of itself that you're looking for that last gasp. It looks like a commodity that's seeing real interest. So it's to be taken seriously. I'm, I'm, I would be desperate to buy a real dip. Like I'm, I'm very hesitant though, because to me, 
I need a real dip in cryptocurrency to actually get in and buy the ETF. You know, I'm not going to buy a 5% pullback. I'd like to see, you know, a buy. A, I'd like to see crypto turn into a good tradable buy where people are negative and it's testing moving averages. But right now we haven't seen that. So I'm kind of waiting in the weeds looking for my opportunity and I'm not going to leave my feet before the opportunity shows up. Um, because it's just too treacherous of a place to have risk on. But it also looks like something that could trend really nicely, especially if we're in a falling rate, high liquidity environment. So mm. I'm not falling asleep on Bitcoin at all, Maggie. I'm just yeah. playing it very close to my vest. It's interesting to hear you say that it's to, despite all the ETF noise, you're just looking at what happened and the and the sort of price recovery from that, um, which is super interesting. Do you feel, you know, there are a lot of people who are looking at someone, we just ran a, a clip from someone earlier in the week who was just from a technical point of view saying, listen, I'm really paying attention to the 10-year because if that thing starts going higher again, um, it's not good for anything. And and that was really the, you know, that was, if you're looking for risks out there, right? We, we've talked a lot about where you're like looking to pick opportunity and you, you sort of have a bullish posture, but you're going to wait for some things to line up before you put money to work. Um then where is the risk? And man, last year it was everyone just getting consistently getting that 10-year wrong, right? And it would ratchet up and destroy everything. Um, do you feel like it's going to be, is that volatility still here to stay? Is that a worry of yours? Do you think there's a risk? Because, you know, there are a lot of people who are looking for, still calling for the 10-year to go back to 5%, 5.5%. Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to name them. They come on our air and they're out there tweeting about it. Um, you know, they really believe that that inflation's not conquered and that there is a risk of that. Um, how are you thinking about the tenure here? So, you know, without turning it into a, a treasury discussion, I think it's important first to, you know, know where we are in the inflation saga, right? The, the in my opinion, what has definitely happened is that the high is on the board. Right, the nine and a half inflate, that is that we are not going to see anything like that again. Right. So, is it hard to believe that inflation is just going to go right back in the bottle? Yes, it very is. It's very hard to believe that. So, what I'm expecting is sort of, and I'm not a biologist again, Maggie, I just kind of pay attention to the markets. But what I'm expecting inflation wise is when you see an uptick in inflation, if you see it, it's not going to be the same sensation as it was in 2023 when, or 2022, when inflation was still climbing to new heights, right? What we're gonna have now in inflation when we see the uptick again, without a doubt, is a lower high, mm. right? So we're not mm. gonna see nine and a half bid CPI. Maybe CPI gets to six bid again or seven bid, but by then you will see the Fed saying, oh yeah, we're gonna put this right back in the bottle just like we did last time. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Are you ready, everyone? And then that 7% is going to become 5 4 3% again, you know, and they're going to put it right back in the bottle the next time, but swiftly, mm -hmm. but swiftly. So, you know, it, it, do, it, am I prepared for some inflation bouts? Yeah, I am. And I'm hoping that those are the opportunities where I can sit here and say, okay, the market is overreacting to, re to inflation. I'm not going to overreact to it because I see a lower high. I'm going to buy this dip that is being caused in the stock market. Right. And, and that's how I'm going to try to position myself with that inflation story in mind, if that's fair to lay out a sort of absolutely. Way. Absolutely. And it brings us right back to where we started. This is why you're keeping your powder dry. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Amazing. I have no idea how this is going to pan out, but we are going to be sitting here with tons of powder when when the VIX is up in the 20s again and everybody's having a shit fit. That's for sure. That is that is fantastic. Um, really, I think a really good tactical conversation, Tony, about how to approach this, because none of us like everyone's having the same conversation. Really hard to see um, what's coming, but you really want to be prepared and be ready. Um, so yeah. that was fantastic. So the, the the only one point that I want to make, Maggie, is that you know we're we're still trading off of this vibe from November fourteenth when the market decided that we are not going to see a dislocation in the bond market caused by inflation data. As long as we keep this train running that way, the stock market is going to like it. It's going to like it a lot. And until the curve starts steepening sharply towards the zero boundary, which is going to be a reaction to bad economic data. We're not going to get a significant dip in the markets either. Like that that Santa rally that turned into a dip, that wasn't even a steep enough dip to get your hands on to try to buy, mm. right? It was very shallow. There was no intensity. There was no whites of their eyes selling. There was nothing. So that's what I think we're going to be dealing with until we get this narrative sorted out on how the bond market's going to play out. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff, Tony. Fantastic. Um, I just want to clarify. So we're having some discussions in the chat, very unclear as to whether the Bitcoin ETF was approved. It appears it was, but like I said, it's very hard to trust anything you see on the internet. Um, so hang in there. We're going to follow it and see. Uh, but if it has been approved, then we will have lots of coverage coming your way. Um, and if it's something that you haven't dabbled in, but are thinking about, or at least want to have a conversation about what that ETF can mean. Um, we're doing a ton, you know, it's education week. Next week is crypto education week. And Rao will be rolling up uh, with some guests as well as Ash and the team covering it um, on everything you need to know, whether you're in it, you like it, you hate it, whatever. Um, we've got you covered on all fronts. So we look forward to that. Tony, thank you so much. Great to see you as always. Check out Tony in the marketplace and we will be back tomorrow with macro and crypto. In the meantime, everybody take care and good luck out there. I've had an idea for the last three years. Something's been in my head and it's taken me a long time to get there, but now it's coming. The Real Vision Marketplace. The idea behind the marketplace is all of the people that you know and love, the research companies, we can all feature them on Real Vision, on the platform to make it easy for you to find the research that you want from third parties that have trusted sources. We curate this marketplace specifically for you from your requests. And what's also amazing is because this is Real Vision and there's a whole bunch of us, we get to negotiate incredible special discounts for Real Vision members. So it's a really unique way to build your financial world where you can get the research that you want from all different sources that you trust all in one place. And this is just the start of where we're going. So go to realvision.com forward slash marketplace, check it out and see what's going to work for you, how to leverage the best talents in the world, the brightest minds to create the biggest opportunities for 2024 and beyond. Enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. At Real Vision, we arm you with the expert knowledge, time-efficient tools, and a powerful network to help you succeed on your financial journey. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free.